Bike Karma Bicycle Stories podcast is brought to you with support from The Frame and Wheel, helping you turn your cycling items into cash without the hassle. And AD Bikes, the modern face of Ostra Daimler bicycles. Become bike, become AD Bikes. Hello, I'm Tom Brown. Welcome to the Bike Karma Bicycle and Cycling Stories podcast. This show is about gathering bicycle stories from around the world, from all kinds of people, with the goal of using our love of bicycles to make us feel more connected to each other. There is so much craziness and divisiveness going on right now. If you turn on the news or spend any time on social media, it can drive you to despair. But underneath all the angst, anxiety, and conflict, we are still all human beings. And at the root, I bet we'd all want to be happy. And if you're here, you know that bicycles are just one of those paths for us humans to find happiness. The feeling of flying down a hill, the rhythm of the cadence, and being able to turn in whatever direction you want to at that moment. So here's where I collect stories about people wrenching, riding, collecting, and just enjoying bikes. In this episode, we hear stories about intentionally deciding to go on bad idea rides and talk to Keller Glass from the band Mob Jack. He's been nice enough to let us use his music for our opening and closing themes. And he's got a few bicycle stories, too. Yeah, that's him in the background right now. You have a lot of things pulling for your attention right now, and you have a lot of podcasts that you could be listening to. I really appreciate you coming along for a ride with me on this one. Let's roll out. like today we're bombarded with so many bad ideas and bad choices daily in the news on social media that it's hard just not to spend a few quality minutes screaming each day but what if instead of frustration we could see the humor in some of those bad choices well our next guest does just that with his instagram feed we've all been on rides that you know things kind of go south and in this case south means poorly and there's a moment where there's a decision that gets made on that ride whether to take that left or that right whether to push ahead what path to follow and we've all been there i recently guessed wrong about whether water would come up as high as my bottom bracket it did i guess i don't know floodwaters as good as i thought i did haha <laughs> I bet we've all made the good choices on those rides and the bad choices. But as long as nobody gets seriously hurt and property damage is kept to a minimum, maybe, just maybe, we could get the silver lining of humor from those bad idea rides. What is the worst idea ride I've been on personally? There is a route here locally, just in the suburbs of St. Louis, that's this big loop that we do that's around 70, 75 miles. It's a pretty tough ride. It's mostly gravel that goes over the Missouri River twice on two different bridges, one to the east and one to the west. I was doing that ride one time during a flood time of the year, and I knew that it was it was going to be flooded, but I'm like, ah, I'll figure out how, a way to get around it. Well, 
It turned out there was no way to go around it other than to wade through this really nasty, dirty river flood water that who knows what was in it and bacteria and things like this. This is well, like way before COVID. So maybe it was like less in my mind at that time. But I did take a video of myself wading through this water, carrying my bike, and I'm like 70 miles in. And that would certainly be one of the the worst ideas that I ever had because I was already, you know, kind of bonked and, and dehydrated. And here I am wading through this really infested with who knows what water uh, and can't see my feet below me. That was that was one of the, the ones that sticks out to me. My name is Christian Hahn, and I am the uh, proprietor, if you can call it that, of the Bad Idea Rides Instagram. I started Bad Idea Rides as a way to create a photo diary of bike rides that have either purposefully or accidentally become a very bad idea, and usually for comedic purposes. Yeah, so I mean, I'm a avid cyclist, and I, I kind of gravitate more towards mountain biking, but certainly will do a lot of gravel riding, especially you know this time of year. So, with a lot of folks, got into the gravel riding scene with a group of friends of mine, and we all ride. And you know, the bad idea rides concept was really born out of being out on gravel rides and then taking a turn here i wonder where this gravel goes i wonder what's behind this gate or over this fence we've never had the opportunity to, to explore over here and then those turn into longer trips and to the point where somebody gets tired somebody bonks somebody gets dehydrated just kind of anecdotally among a group of friends became like oh this sounds like we're getting into a bad idea ride on saturday And then it becomes a thing like, all right, when's our next bad idea ride? What what are we going to do? Uh, competition of sorts. Uh, who could come up with the worst idea? Which was a lot of fun. It's always been a lot of fun to head out on the bike and not know exactly where you're going to go. Kind of an adventure, you know? Over time, that continued to evolve and continued to have fun with it to where it became, all right, well, we have to be able to quantify it, right? So we came up with like a, a point calculator, like, you know, a, a ride where you get lost, you get points for that. If there's trespassing involved, uh, you know, you get extra points if it's on gravel versus road versus single track, things like that. And then if it qualified, we had these little stickers and they started off as like a snowflake with a circle slash through it was the original iteration of the sticker. But then one of the fellas that rides with us, who's a great cyclist, Derek, is a graphic designer. And he made the Bad Ideas logo just as he was goofing off one day. And we all instantly adopted it like, this is the best thing. I love this. And it became like this little one-inch circle that you would place somewhere on your frame, usually on the fork leg, after you 
finished a bad idea ride, provided that you survived it, you got these little badges of honor on your bike <laughs> to where you could uh, show, like, these are all the bad idea rides that I've participated in or all the bad ideas that I've, I've had on the bike. And then it just grew from there to where it is today. We can relate to bad idea rides because we've all had those bad, you could almost call them bad choices rides, where yeah. you have some idea. I think my first one was with my cousin when I was in my teens, and we were going through the woods. He was in a suburb that was built next to woods and old farmland, and we went on this big ride. I had a mountain bike, he had a BMX, and we ended up throwing our bikes into a bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and we thought we were being slick getting to uh -huh. a shortcut that would get us close to the road so we could just take a shortcut back home. But then we saw that there was a big bull on the other side of the field and we had to throw our bikes back over the fence and get back onto the trails and take the long way home. So it, it's something that everybody can relate to is taking that left instead of that right or, or coming up with a saying, oh, we can go 10 more miles or it's not raining that bad or, yeah. or all that stuff. But then it seems like it grew and you've got people sending you pictures from all over the world. Yeah, I have been really amazed at something that kind of started off exactly what you, like you had the perfect example of a bad idea, right? Hey, remember that time where we did X, right? And then it really grew because I think that there's this contingent of folks that they kind of crave that adventure. And it's universal, like you said, it's all over the world. And sometimes it's weather and people gravitate towards that. I don't care if it's snowing. I'm going to go out and ride. And, and they can find some crazy men and women in their cycling group that adopt that as well. Sometimes it's, like you say, it's the adventure piece of it. Maybe it's trespassing. Maybe it's throwing your bike into a, a cow pasture and then running right back out because there's a bull that doesn't like cyclists. Yeah, it just grew so much so fast and was fascinating to the point that you're seeing these rides from the UK and from Poland and Spain and Brazil, Canada for sure, Mexico. It's been so much fun to see that even though we all come from different countries and cultures and languages, there seems to be kind of this universal language, at least among cyclists, of that craving adventure. And I think it's just a way that all of us can relate to each other no matter where we ride our bike. So the one that precipitated our talk today was we had been talking, going back and forth a while, being like, and then all of a sudden you post this one with a full-blown cougar in between <laughs> some mountain cyclists. So there's these mountain bikers standing at the head of a trail, and there's yeah. a cougar that looks like it's it's huge, and it looks like it could kill anybody there, and they're just kind of standing there behind their bikes looking at it. Um, it's what so, what yeah. do you know about this when you when you get a picture like that and somebody sends it to you and says, "Here's a bad idea, ride." What, yeah. How much do you know about it? What do you what do you do? What's the what's the? It's funny you bring that up because that particular picture was some it was one that that somebody sent to me said, "I have no idea what the story behind this is, but I love it so much and it's so perfect for bad idea rides. I had to share, and I would say ninety percent plus." of the videos and photos that, that 
folks will send me have zero context. Uh, sometimes the picture or the video doesn't tell the story. Like, there's no preamble to it. It's just, here you go. Here's 10 seconds of craziness. I'll let you fill in the story behind this. And so I don't know. But in the beginning, I would kind of like seek that out. I would be like, ah, you know, I wonder, do you know anything about this? Or can you give some more? But I've actually kind of changed as as it's continued to evolve. Now I don't seek it out. It's just almost more fun to not know. Like, like how does a cougar end up between four guys that don't seem all that concerned about it? And I don't think it's photoshopped, right? And so it's almost like therein lies the mantra of bad idea rides. Like, I don't know how we got here, but what a great adventure. It, you don't always have to know how you got to that spot or how how this video or picture came to be to appreciate it. You fill in the blank. You know, whatever you want it to be, that's what it is, it, kind of a, a thing. So um, I've become more laissez-faire about it, but I think that that's actually made it more rich in some ways. What are some of your favorites? Oh, geez. I, you know, some of them, some of them are just so funny, but you kind of know what they're going to be before you even click on the video. Like, for instance, uh, there was one I posted not too long ago of a fella and he was riding his bike on a pier. And you're like, oh, I already know how this one's going to end before I even get into it because, you know, he's going to fall off the pier. That's just what's going to happen. Other ones, you know, are more of uh, like, I can't quite figure out where this is headed, but I'm interested to find out, right? My favorite feed is the RSS archive, uh, which stands for the Rough Stuff Fellowship. I found them. They're a group based in the U.K., and they were doing their own version of Bad Idea Rides through the Alps and the Dolomites and uh, all throughout Europe on these pretty, what we would consider now to be primitive bikes. But the photos that they have, number one, they have probably tens of thousands, maybe even a 100,000 photos. They were just avid photographers. And the pictures that they have are glorious. So, uh, you know, I have to preface this by the RSF archives they're always my favorite just because the nature of them and they really adopt it. But I mean, some of my favorites are, there was one that I posted where a group of cyclists were trying to get across this raging river. I mean, and, and this water is moving dangerously so. And they handed this long log across and they were like, they were pulling people across on this log. And you're like, man, if anybody slips, which is really easy to do given the circumstance, they're gone, like they're downriver. Uh, and so that was one of my favorites for sure. There was one, I'm trying to think of who it was. It was a, it was a pretty famous cyclist, Tour de France coverage. Italy, you know, the Giro, something like that. And he just rides up on one of the cops that supports the race and takes his gun out of the holster. <laughs> like the cop is like, oh, give me my, <laughs> give me my gun back. You know, like this seems like a bad idea to be in the middle of a peloton of 300 people, cyclists, and just grab a gun out of somebody's holster. You know, I'd say there's one other one which is a little bit more morbid. It's a little bit more dark or blue comedy. But there is one of a guy who's riding down the street, and he's got a statue, and it's a big statue. It's not quite life-size, but it's a decent-sized statue of Jesus on his back, like a backpack. And it hits a parked car, and then the statue flies apart. And, and that's another one where there's no context. There's no preamble to it. You just see a guy biking, looks over. 
hits a parked car and Jesus flies apart. So usually, you know, the comments on things like that are the best. You know, Jesus take the wheel, Jesus take the bars, you know, Jesus is riding with me, you know, things like that. So that's one of my favorites as well. So, I mean, there's so many. I don't know how many posts I've done at this point, hundreds, that I'm sure I could go back and, and find some of my favorites. But uh, those are just a few that kind of stick out in my mind. It made me laugh when I saw them. Yes, you know, we've we've had a variety of different things that have come up either in previous videos, like sayings or funny comments that, you know, when I read it, I was like, hey, that's that's hilarious. Um, and so one of my favorites was somebody sent me a cyclist or there, there was some, there was a YouTube video of some sort in the dialogue of the video. This fellow goes, I'm the Elon Musk of bad ideas. <laughs> And I thought that that was such a funny phrase. I don't know. It just it caught me. And so I, I made stickers, like with the little bad ideas guy that is kind of our icon or our logo. And then surrounding that, it says, I'm the Elon Musk of bad ideas. And there's like a bumper sticker, a mini bumper sticker version that kind of fits really well on a chain stay. And then like a, a two-inch circle version of that as well. And when people send me submissions, if I post it, I always tell people, hey, if if I post your stuff, you're eligible for a Bad Idea Ride sticker pack. So I'll usually throw a couple of the, the small ones, like I was mentioning, that, that fit on a fork leg, and I'll throw a couple of the Elon Musk of Bad Ideas. I always have two or three stickers in the rotation at any given time. And I'll throw those into uh, an envelope and, and mail it off. So it costs me, I don't know, buck fifty, two dollars between the stamps. If it's international, you got to put three stamps on. But it's so much fun, honestly, because I've gotten to send the stickers. Like I said, Russia and Brazil and all like I don't know how many countries in Europe and and probably twenty, twenty five states here in the U S. now. And because what's cool is it'll come back around and that they'll post their bad idea right with their sticker on their bike. Uh, so this time of year with uh, Land Run, right, is is a popular just death march across Oklahoma. And it was virtual this year, but a lot of people went out and did it just on their own. I got so many submissions of people that said, here I am in the middle of Oklahoma in uh, sticky mud, it's raining on me, but I'm looking down at, at the uh, Bad Idea Ride sticker on my top tube, and it keeps me going. So, I mean, that's, I mean, who wouldn't pay a dollar fifty to get that kind of fulfillment, you know? So, it's been a blast. How many submissions do you get? Per week. You know, it's really cyclical and it almost kind of like goes with the weather patterns in the different areas of the country, right? So like during the winter, I almost notice that they're, they come a lot more from California and Arizona and Texas and Florida because there's a lot more people that are out because I don't typically, there's been a couple rare exceptions, but I don't give like Zwift, like even if you do a, a tough Zwift ride, I won't give you a sticker pack for that. I'm like, nah, you got to be out in the elements. You got to go do something crazy and dumb, right? So in the winter, they certainly trail off. But now that it's getting nicer, now that we're, you know, moving from the end of March and into April now, it's certainly ramping up to where, you know, I'll get maybe one a day, two a day, over the weekend, I get a lot more than maybe on like a Wednesday afternoon kind of thing. But once we get into summer, that will even go up higher. 
Now, do you get any that either they're too bad ideas or they're just so unpostable <laughs> or perhaps those in the other direction that maybe aren't enough of a bad idea? Do you get those on the extreme? Yeah, the you, you get a you, you do get a couple where you're like, ah, that that wasn't such a bad idea. Like, hey, I, I went for a ride and got caught in the, in the rain. Well, we've kind of all been there. Now, it's a little different if it's like a torrential downpour, you know, but like a light sprinkle is probably not going to get you a sticker pack. Occasionally, I'll get submissions of someone like getting hit by a car, uh, and I don't like to celebrate that just because for obvious reasons, right? Like that's that's not somebody who's doing something wrong there was an exception one time where a fellow was on a mountain bike and did a jump but like right into traffic he knew he was doing this jump right into a busy street because you can see there's like a lot of cars so i'm like okay that was a really bad idea because it was the cyclist fault right um i i never post something where it's like a car hitting somebody because i just don't like to celebrate that obviously a cyclist that's our, one of our biggest fears. So I don't do anything like that. Yeah, occasionally I'll say that doesn't quite meet the bar. That's not really the flavor of what we're going for with bad idea rides. But for the most part, you know, people, I think they get the spirit of it. They they get the aura of it and kind of fit right into that. So it's pretty rare that that I push have to push back. Yeah, there's one other one that sticks out that was a bad idea ride personally for me that sticks out. We were on a group ride kind of early on in the bad idea ride process, four or five of us. And it's a gravel route that we're very familiar with and that we've always kind of like seen this other trail and never really pursued it. And we went down it not very far and came to like this cliff, uh, this short cliff, like, you know, 15 feet, hand our bikes up the cliff and maybe 50 feet after that there's this barbed wire fence with like you know barbed wire over the top of it and of course we have to climb that we get over the top of it we're hacking through this dense wooded area and come up to a really busy highway with no shoulder on it and these cars are going past at 70 miles an hour and that was one of the times where we were like this is a really really bad idea what we're doing right now so that one was kind of like that was the beginning of bad idea right like here we go again with a with a dumb idea so that one sticks out for sure Yeah, with bad idea rides, it's not specific to gravel or road or mountain biking. I think that all cyclists have their own version of of a bad idea that they've either been on or like to take part in. So we welcome all disciplines of cyclists because we all have a harebrained idea from time to time. That's one of my favorite things with Bad Idea Rides. It's really like made me even more passionate about it because I've shared so many sticker packs to so many countries. It's been really cool to occasionally I'll get stickers back from people and be like, hey, here's the local, here's the sticker that our club uses or our little band of cyclists uses. And like from St. Petersburg, Russia, I got this really cool, it's like a leg 
sticker. It's kind of hard to describe, but it's a cyclist leg with like a handlebar through it. It would almost be like a cool tattoo. Um, (laughs) So I've got that. My whole bike frame is just covered in stickers from all over the world. And some of them are like really well done and well thought out. I love them all equally. Just to have these stickers from the UK and Canada. And we've even got like a coffee shop in Canada, 11 Speed Coffee, that's kind of adopted us. And they distribute stickers on Victoria Island and British Columbia. Like, it's so much fun, the the serendipitous path that all of this takes. I think you've got a perfect name for your bike karma because that's kind of how it is. You put some coolness out into the world and, wow, do you get it back in spades. So it's been a lot of fun. So if people want to go and see some bad idea rides from around the world or they would like to submit their bad idea rides, of course, nothing where people get seriously injured or actually don't make it out of it, but in a a fun way, some bad ideas, where would they go to find you? We are only on Instagram. So it's just at bad idea rides on Instagram. And I have folks submit it just through a DM on Instagram, occasionally people will submit it by tagging me and say, hey, here's this other post, and and I'll get it that way, but it's 100% on Instagram. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate your feed. It's really amusing every time something pops up there. I remember there was a cow sitting on a bike and stuff, (laughs) and uh, uh, other times it's just some crazy river fording or some some people doing something on the edge of some high cliff that would give me vertigo. It's always fun when your feed pops up. Well, I really appreciate your support, and and I appreciate the fact that uh, you get so much enjoyment out of it because I get a lot of enjoyment out of, of posting it and getting all the commentary. So I think we're all helping each other out with a little bit of adventure. All right. Thank you. Thank you. This is great. And hopefully it's fun for everybody to hear, but I really enjoy doing it. And so I appreciate you reaching out and being willing to kind of get the word out there. time to take a really quick break from the stories here at the mid-roll to give gratitude i'd like to thank the following people for following on podbean crud rider thank you fran cove d megan ricks and andrew j heist thank you very much for following on podbean and i'm not sure if i'm going to say this right but for the nice review on apple media that starts with the gem of a show by tianqui so both apologies for the pronunciation and great thanks I'd like to also thank my two newest Patreon supporters, David Sinclair and Niles Deweys. For any amount at all, including starting at a dollar a month, you can help me to support the show. I want to thank everybody who's asked for and spread around stickers as well. It's kind of a grassroots way to do things, but to me it feels more honest than paying for an ad and an algorithm that sneaks into people's feed. I kind of think of the stickers as like messages in a bottle. Maybe it's because I grew up when that Sting song came out. It just seems like it's a better way to do things. So thanks to people in the sticker army, including Women on Wheels Boston. Seaside Cycles in the UK at Westcliff-on-Sea. 
Those names always sound so amazing over there. The Devil's Gear Bike Shop in New Haven, Connecticut. State Line Cycling in Rockford, Illinois. The Garage Bike Shop. Bikes Not Bombs in Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts. Cycle Clinic Ruddington, all the way in Nottingham. The Lefty Cycle Project in Connecticut. The folks at Maine Bike Works. Goodrich Bike Shop. And everybody else who's asked for stickers, thank you so much. Thank you for telling the people you ride with about the show. Right now, I think we have like nine different designs of stickers available, all just for the asking. You can email me at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. And that goes for any ideas or suggestions for the show. Perhaps you know somebody who has a good story, maybe even yourself. Or maybe you want to join the sticker army and stick those stickers responsibly around the world. Either way, that email again is bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. The Midworld Yankee wouldn't be complete without thanking Fred Thomas at both AD Bikes and The Frame and the Wheel. Fred has been a huge supporter of the show, both personally and by giving us some support each month. He also gives out stickers with all of his orders, and that's part of how I know he's good at what he does. He puts one sticker in each order he sends out, and he goes through stickers pretty damn fast. So through his work owning and operating The Frame and the Wheel, he helps give people more time, space, and cash by helping to sell their used bicycles, bicycle parts, equipment, and accessories. He's really good at it. He does the pricing, he does the pictures, he does the packing, the shipping, and he deals with all the crazy people. There's a lot of nice people, but there's crazy people too that I'm sure he has to deal with. Look around your biking area. Did you upgrade when you got a bike and maybe took some parts off right from the get-go? They've just been sitting around? Well, if you get them off to Fred, he can give you more time, space, and cash. Not sure what it even the part is? Just send it to him. Fred does all that pesky little detail work where he looks up exactly what it's compatible with and what it's not compatible with and puts it in the listing and gets it sold at the right price. As the frame wheel is a business, of course he takes a cut, but so many people agree that it's worth it because he gets it done quickly and efficiently and you don't even have to think about it again. Why else do you want to give your business to Fred? He's one of us. He's just a guy who's a bicycle lover. If you follow him on social media, he's on all the different platforms, both AD Bikes and the Frame and Wheel. He's just been racing all over New England. He has a YouTube channel where he walks people through all kinds of bikes. So if you have some used bicycles, bicycle parts, accessories, and you know you're not gonna sell them because you haven't so far, then give Fred a try at the Frame and Wheel or give him a follow on social media and say, hey, thanks for supporting the Bike Karma podcast. And thank you for listening. Now back to the show. All the music in this section is by Keller Glass and Mob Jack. So yeah, I know there are a lot of podcasts in the world. Some of them are even just people turning on their recorder and boom, whatever comes out of their mouths, that's the podcast. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's a place for all types of podcasts. This one has a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes where I edit out the interviews and kind of try and assemble them and produce them and put sound effect and musics and stuff like that in. But eventually it had to happen. So this is just me sitting on my back deck at night with a campfire and a couple cold beverages, just talking to Keller Glass. You might remember Keller Glass as the guy who is in the band Mob Jack, who for the last several years has let us use his music as our opening and closing theme song on the show. 
I met him originally through another person who I knew in town who had some bike stuff and we worked on together. And that's how I found out about the band Mobjack and learned all about Schwinn-specific tires. For those of you who don't know, tire sizing is extremely confusing when you first start working on bikes. There are sizes with fractions and there are decimal sizes. And even if the decimal equals the fraction exactly, they're not the same size. And then there's like a universal way of describing tire sizes, but not everybody really uses it that often. And then on top of all that, Schwinn had special sizes that used the exact same fractional number, but had a little tiny S, like an S6 or an S7. And every bike mechanic has that story, that moment where they realized, oh, there's another layer to tire sizes. And I had that moment with Keller. What was especially weird though was that can't remember but either the rims or the hubs were made in Japan which made me think that they were the more popular size but then they actually turned out to be Schwinn size. Anyway this is going to be about the story behind the music that just fit in so well with the show when I first started it. A little chance to show off some more of his other music and a couple good short stories about bicycles for good measure. So just imagine you're hanging out on the deck with me and Keller Glass. We're out on the deck here, enjoying a fire <laughs> and deck lights and a beverage, and my dog Nora is Nora. barking at invisible squirrels. Nora, what's the matter? Yeah. Snora. Yeah, come hang out with us. Snora. <laughs> Snora the plot hound. Okay, yes, Keller Glass, happy to be here. Thank you for letting us have an opening and closing theme song for the last three years. Yeah, you're so welcome. That's You're the only podcast that's called for, for that, so happy to do it. Well, what's the story behind the music? So we've got Tragedy Bound. Yeah. As our opening theme. Yeah. And then we have Running Backwards. Okay. As the closing theme. And I love the songs that kind of speak for themselves, but yeah. I think it's a stereotypical question to ask. You know, sure. What, is, what do they mean? What is what's going uh, on there? Both uh, breakup songs about, about different breakups. I'm um, so curious that you kind of gravitated toward those two in particular. Let's see. I think Running Backwards was when I moved... I went to school up here in Connecticut, and I uh, moved to Mississippi, you know, left a high school girlfriend and was, you know, really weepy about it. <laughs> but they seem so, that's what I like about them, though, is they seem cheerful, too. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, um, well, we've always, you know, in my writing, I always kind of went for a um, kind of upbeat Americana kind of tone, you know, even when the subject matter might be a little... Uh, you know, less than pleasant. Yeah, so that's kind of a fun juxtaposition to work with sometimes, you know? Yeah. So you, you've got all the, you got all the sounds. Okay. <laughs> like, seriously, like, okay, so before we were talking, and I don't even know if people are going to be able to hear me on this because I'm pointed at you, but yeah. it's just amazing me that I actually really, I really, really like your music. Well, thanks, man. And, and yet I know you. Yeah, like I know. you're a real person that exists in this world, and it's always like, you know, I don't know David Gilmore, I don't know, uh, 
the guys from REM. I don't know. You're not putting me on their level, are you? <laughs> really? I would say at least some of your songs oh are right up there with oh those my guys. Goodness. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. But I mean, for real, they're, they're like songs that are crafted and that you can put them on a shelf and say, that song belongs on that shelf. It's, it's like that that's the shelf of songs that people like did the songs the way they were supposed to be. There's nothing you need to change about them. They stand on their own and they're kind of timeless. And I love that. And you have some songs that are right up there on that shelf along with all those other people throughout history. I mean, it's, yeah, it's thanks, man. To, to actually know you as a real person as well is, is just mind-boggling. Well, but. we were talking about that, how um, kind of odd it is sometimes when you're you know you have your favorite band and they just like people just seem so distant when you're listening to them recorded you know and then you meet them and it's like oh this is a real life human being there's something um very kind of disassociative about recorded music that way mm -hmm. it, it almost doesn't seem like real real people on there you know and maybe even more so now that, that you know it's all it's recorded digitally and there's a lot more kind of electronic influences in music now but um i don't know i've I've always tried to kind of keep my writing and then um, the sound of whatever band I'm working with very kind of earthy and personal and, um, you know, kind of stick to pretty straight ahead Americana kind of tone, you know, and, um, yeah. I mean, it really, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm a picky guy, <laughs> but it's like there's a tightrope between country flavor and right. wallowing, wallowing in country yeah. cliche. You yeah, yeah. And you do that typewrote walk really well, which is, you know, why I like your group so much. It's like R.E.M., when they go into, like, a country-type feel, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, like they balance the that walk, it. too. Yeah, right, you know? right, right, And yeah. it's like, you balance that rope, they balance that rope, and it's like, yeah. how do you, how do you, where do your influences come from? Like, where, what, when you're trying to do that, do you have, like, your, it's not you, it's almost like your instrument is to have that, that voice of expression. Sure. Do you have a vision for for what kind of music you want to make that's that might be different from you as a person? Well, I think I mean, just from the influence front, I I listened to a lot of rock music, kind of in that sweet spot between like 1966 and like 1973. Growing up, and I, I mean, and that was just a function of that's when my dad was in his um, late teens and early 20s and so that's what his record collection was and that's what I was listening to you know so like a lot of um, the band Eric Clapton Allman Brothers you know so very kind of um, steeped in Americana kind of or Americana but the, the American music tradition there was a period in the late 90s when the sort of alternative rock scene was shifting in part to kind of a country flavored sound so these were guys like uncle tupelo and you know early wilco and ryan adams and um i think just because i've been listening to so much music from like the band like that that type of music really spoke to me and even fairly popular bands like counting crows you know they definitely had that kind of sound mm -hmm. to it so there was a period there where it seemed like that's kind of where the popular music was going and i i loved it and um so I really started focusing on just writing like kind of compact songs in contrast to sort of what a lot of bands at the time were doing where you would just kind of jam, you know. And I wasn't really all that interested in like jamming, <laughs> you know. So I would write songs and I'd find guys that I like to spend time with and that I like to, and I like their sound. 
and really kind of trusted them with the the sort of sonic quality of the piece. And I think that surprised a few of the guys that I've worked with, like basically, here's the song, it's a basic chord chart, this is what I'm gonna do, and I kind of trust your instincts on this. And so a lot of, you know, it's fun to listen to, especially like kind of comparing some of the early Mob Jack stuff where the um, lineup wasn't super solid. And then like the second album that we put out where we, you know, we had a very firm lineup and um, kind of how that band sort of gelled. And a lot of that was, you know, it, it really is those those guys. I mean, like um, just them coming up with the parts that fit the, the pieces that we were working on, and and um, me not, you know, being too overbearing on sort of the, the the vision that I had. You know, it was more about picking the right guys rather than bringing people in and kind of dictating to them what the sound should be. You know. Yeah, it was, it's a lot of trust. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, I feel like that's that's what it should be, right? Like if you can't trust someone to to play the part then you know you should probably be working with someone else you know yeah and I would point it out when the lines and bars would turn around if you would make a sound like you knew what was going down Way too fast to find us in each other's arms in the early morn. It's not what I mourn. Yeah, one of my favorite lyrics is tired of sending words and putting them all out on the ether. On the ether, well, yeah, that sounds like that sounds like podcasting. Yeah, 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 right, right. Well, I, I'm kind of in a funny generational spot so we were we were talking about this earlier so i was born in 82 which depending on what reference you're using can be generation x or millennial i'm like right smack in the middle so like i'm old enough to remember having a rotary telephone in my home right in mm -hmm. in an unironic way <laughs> but then <laughs> i also remember my first email account right you know and like Instant messaging came online in a big way when I was in high school. I still have my first email account. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm like, I'm in that that sort of mid generation where I'm not really a digital native, but it was also like a big part of growing up. And so I think my, like people my age just thought about that a lot, you know, especially in high school and early in college. Like, what is the world that we're walking into here? Because it was it was new to us, even though you know we were pretty young when we were getting accustomed to the technology you know so that's that was like you know you're suddenly you're writing emails to people instead of like actually writing letters which i did when i was a kid you know so there's sort of that technological change that happened i used to think about a lot and now i don't even have time to think about it <laughs> just a wash in it every day <laughs> What are your music projects these days? I have a, a solo project that I've been doing for a couple of years with, um, they were actually kids that were in high school when I met them uh, where I work. And um, 
they worked with me kind of doing PA setups and that kind of thing for a while and then we started playing together and um, there was a couple winters in a row where we would get together and record for a few days and so we built up kind of this big backlog of recorded material and we've been very slowly editing and, and releasing it so it's been just under my name so like kellerglass.com and we've been just kind of releasing it kind of piece by piece it's similar to mob jack i mean it's the same kind of writing style but with a you know it's got a little more of an edge to it because that's that's like these guys came out of more of a kind of punk rock tradition you know so yeah so it's definitely kind of got a little bit harder kind of sound to it which is fun. It's it's fun to play with that, you know. I trust you after listening to enough of your music. Oh, that's to, sweet. Thank you. To like <laughs> not take me down to some dark place. You're not no, gonna leave, you're gonna leave me there. It's not you know? too mopey. Yeah, not too mopey. Yeah. <laughs> We also hung out working on your grandfather's bike. That was my, those were my great grandmother's bikes. Yeah, those, those, the Schwinn's, right? The Schwinn's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I cut a lot of my teeth on that one too. <laughs> Learning about the S7 those designation. Were, those were a bear, dude. Those were a bear. <laughs> we got the right size tires, but not the Schwinn version. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Those things were tough, dude. I actually, I ended up, uh, those were so fun. So we actually, so we were just talking about your um, your friend Thomas that lived down the street mm -hmm. from you, mm -hmm. and his wife was a photographer, and my wife was running a vintage furniture rental business, and Thomas spotted those bikes, and I'd I'd picked them up from my great grandmother, she had moved to Arizona and didn't know what to do with these bikes, so I just figured I'd take them. I hadn't been taking very good care of them. And so Thomas said, I know this guy down the street who works on bikes. He'd, he'd be the perfect guy to kind of help you fix these things up. So yeah, so, so we, we spent a couple nights trying to get tires on those things. <laughs> I yeah. swear to God, it's the right size. It was kind of the right size. It was kind of the right size. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But you know what? I you know we we worked on it a little bit, and I realized like these things need a proper home. You know, I, I need I need something low maintenance, and I'm I'm not uh, I'm not doing these bikes justice. You know, so they 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 found their home. <laughs> Just to clear it up, so I don't lose all my street cred, they were Schwinn wheels, but it wasn't a Schwinn bike. Yeah, yeah. So it required the special Schwinn size tire right but it wasn't the schwinn name bike which i found to be confusing it was totally but confusing because basically it was the same it was the right size tire but just like the bead on the inside was just like yeah. an eighth of an inch off yeah 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 so. <laughs> we got it run i mean I, I i i rode those things around for a while you know yeah Eventually they were fun. got them yeah yeah <laughs> Where the waters meet The other from the flu What is your other bicycle story? You said you're still with bikes. I didn't totally burn you out on bikes with that no, particular project. No, no, no. So what, what have you been doing lately with bikes? So I, I live pretty close to my work, so I wanted a little commuting bike. 
and I bought this, I just bought this like really cheap $100 bike basically from a local place and then um, I realized I didn't really enjoy arriving at work in a, in a lather, you know. So I'm like, oh, well maybe, I, you know, so I started looking into um, e-bikes and conversion kits and I found this company out of Boston called Geo Orbital and it's like this wacky engine that <laughs> goes on the front wheel of your bike. <laughs> and it's the strangest thing. It's actually kind of difficult to describe. So the wheel actually doesn't have spokes. The battery sits in the middle of the wheel and then the motor is not in the center spoke it's off it's touching the wheel so the motor goes and it pushes the wheel around and that kind of creates that centrifugal force so it's really eerie to see it running because it's there's no spokes right it, it almost looks me out a little it, it, it is it's weird it's weird people definitely notice it um i've gotten used to it but it, it's basically so it's just this battery sitting in the middle of this like empty wheel but it's cool because so the whole front wheel assembly just comes off so you can you can basically set this up in like 10 minutes which you know it kind of is a pretty big departure from a lot of the e-bike situations where it's like either built into the frame or it's like a whole mm -hmm. hub assembly that you need to do it was very quick and easy to set up which i liked and it was also completely separate from this super cheap hundred dollar bike <laughs> That I've been running around with, you know. So it's like if ever I wanted to upgrade the bike, it just wasn't a big deal. So it's like an assist, or no? It'll run totally on its own. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, so are you still pedaling though? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, I mean, it's got a little throttle on it, and you can totally, you know, do an assist on it. But you can also run it wide open, and it'll go about 20 miles an hour without any kind of assistance. You know, fun. <laughs> and how far is your commute? Oh, uh, what is it? Two miles, maybe right now it's like nothing yeah yeah so it's nice it's uh, you know on a really hot day i can just kind of hop on the thing and arrive at work and still be like comfortable you know nice. yeah and then you know when the weather's nicer i'll just kind of bomb around a little bit and pedal a little bit more and you can get more distance out of the thing i think it'll do about i think it'll do about 12 miles or so you know before before the battery goes out which you know for for you know quick commute is, is fine <laughs> yeah yeah i hate driving <laughs> I used to drive so much. I hate driving so much. My wife is at a summer camp. Yeah. That's where she's at tonight. Uh, we have to drive back and forth to the summer camp, and it used to be our lives. This used to be like an everyday thing is to commute that far, and I, I can't stand it. Yeah. I mean, I love living two miles away from my job. But yeah, so that's been fun, just having a quick kind of commuter e-bike, like on the weekends, just being able to hop on and go and get some groceries and that kind of thing. I mean, we, I'm in Windsor Center. There's kind of a couple grocery stores and restaurants sort of within super easy biking distance. So it's nice to kind of keep my, my toe in the water. Are you going to be biking with child at some point? I really, yeah, I, I've uh, been eyeing various trailer contraptions. <laughs> We did all of them. So <laughs> as soon as they could hold their head up, mm -hmm. my mother-in-law was a very big biker. So she was very supportive of helping us to get cycling equipment for all the children always. Nice, nice. So we got the one where it's like a little tent on the back. Right. It's, yeah. And yeah. it's a full roll cage yep. and the child just gets strapped in and yep. goes along with you. So yep. you feel like you're, you're bringing them. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. They're not pedaling, they're not doing anything, they're just kind of sitting there. Yeah. That's fun for a while. Mm -hmm. And then if you take a sharp corner, be careful. Right. I, I yeah. did that once. Yeah. It was when they were older, though, so they can tell me all about it. Do they make any of those with, like, a single wheel? 
Is that a thing? Are they all the sort of double wheeled? I think most of them are double wheels. Yeah. They make everything. So if you look, <laughs> if you type that in, somebody will Single see that you typed it in <laughs> and they'll start production of it. <laughs> it. It does seem to be a plethora of various models available. Yes. And then we went to the trailer bike. Okay. Which Adams had a recall at one point and everybody was very nervous about them, but Jeez. they've worked fine. Mm-hmm. The one thing I would suggest, because my poor, poor daughter fell off the back of hers Aww. and got her tuchus stuck in between the wheel and the seat. That sounds uncomfortable. Is very uncomfortable. Oh, poor thing. Yeah. So they make this little backrest yeah. that you can put on the seat. So I would highly recommend that. Okay, good enough. The trailer bike is an amazing contraption. Used it for years. Yeah. But get that get that extra little backrest on the back. It's good. Good. Just good to tip. keep that kid from falling backwards. Because they're still learning at that point. Oh yeah. You know, they're learning balance and stuff like that. If they just kind of go oops and they hit the back, their butt's on the wheel. Yeah, the right. Wheel is moving. Moving. Yeah. So. All right. She was a trooper that day. I'll tell you. Oh. <laughs> we got her back to the car. Oh, poor girl. Poor kid. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and then and then all of a sudden they're on a regular bike and no training wheels. Don't do training wheels. Yeah, I've heard that. Do um, even if you can't get just a balanced bike, just take the pedals off of a regular bike. Yeah, right, right, right. And you just kind of lower the seat a little bit. Lower yeah. the seat a little bit. Yeah. Take the pedals off, and just have them scoot around. Yeah. And then once they can scoot. The turning the pedals is the easiest part to learn. Yeah, right. The hardest part is the balance and the micro adjustments of the handlebars to keep from falling over. Yeah, right. That makes so sense. So if they learn how to balance, they're golden. Yeah. And the way I learned was with the, the training wheels. And it's just, it's... God, the, I don't even remember. It just gets in the way of the most important thing to learn. It just, it's, you have to learn balance and the training wheels keep you from learning balance. Right, so you learn the least important element of the whole thing first. Possible. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if a kid needs training wheels, they're yeah. still important. Right. Some kids have balance issues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Totally have them on mm-hmm. their training wheels. Have training wheels, you know, the elderly have training wheels mm-hmm. on their bikes. People who have balance and inner ear issues need their training wheels, even as adults. But yeah. to teach a kid without those issues how to ride, definitely the balance bike is the way to go. All I've right. taught... I've taught teenagers. And you just take the pedals right off of it. You just take the pedals right off. That makes sense. And you just have them scoot around. Yeah, right, right, right. And then... Doing the coasting, right? And they're coasting, and they're putting their feet down less, and then all of a sudden, their their feet are just hanging out behind them, and you say, okay, You're now right, try yeah. putting on the pedals. Yeah. And then, oh. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Weren't some early bike designs kind of like that? Just kind of yep, coasting Yeah, velocipedes, yep. Velocipedes. Velocipedes. That's a great yeah. word. <laughs> yeah. It was like a hobby horse, they would call it. Okay. A cycling hobby horse. Interesting. It's like a hobby horse with wheels, no pedals. <laughs> of and it was all wood. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and people fight violently over who developed the first one. The first velocipede? Yeah. Okay. And and there's people who have faked sketches. Oh God! In Da Vinci's <laughs> in Da Vinci's sketchbook. So there, he that was a bicycle contraption. He, he invent, Da Vinci invented the bicycle oh, because you know, and then they test the ink, and they're like, oh, that was added in you know, twenties. Yeah, right. <laughs>
The interview was recorded back in 2019 before I went to Ragbri, and I just packed off my bike, which always makes you a little nervous. My beloved Surly Crosscheck was on its way to Iowa while I was still sitting here back with Keller in Connecticut. I hope mine arrived in Iowa in one piece. You had to ship it. I had to ship it. I had to put it in a box. <laughs> Last time there, I put man. it in a box, it went all the way to England, all the way back to England, via Ireland, got all the way back to Boston on the plane. Yeah. And then some guy at Logan Airport beat the shit out of it. <laughs> he was taking it from the plane and just bringing it the uh, 500 feet to the airport. He I used destroyed, to have to travel with the, the It was just like constant. Oh. Just like heart in your throat, you know, every time, you know. I ended up playing out mainly with a, this little Larvae parlor guitar. It's kind of small instrument. It was like six, seven hundred bucks. And I traveled with that because I just like I could, you know, I have a really nice Canadian Thompson spruce top jumbo concert guitar and um, the thought of some jazz at Logan putting his foot through the thing was just more than I could bear <laughs> you know and so. no no offense to the good people working at Logan you know the guy we're talking about you, we all know we all know him. he's a dirtbag yeah not you the man the man other just guy does, the man just doesn't care he just <laughs> he destroyed so many people's stuff he just goes to work and says I wanted to destroy something beautiful today <laughs> Alright dude, what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you on a bike? The weirdest thing that's ever happened on a bike? Huh. What is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me on a bike? I fell into the reflection pool in Washington DC on a bike. <sighs> that's pretty weird. I was, uh, so I was a big cross country runner and track and field runner in high school. And I had, uh, you know, every now and then I'd get an injury that meant I had needed to be off my feet for a while, or at least not running on pavement. And so I kind of got into, I'd always liked biking, just, you know, sort of recreationally and just to, as a means of getting around when I don't have a driver's license. But I got into sort of road cycling as a cross-training method. And I was living in Gaithersburg, Maryland, which was the last line on the red line, last stop on the red line into Washington, D.C. So I could just hop on the metro with my road bike and go into D.C. and just kind of bike around, you know, which was very liberating as a, you know, 14, 15 year old. And I was biking around D.C. one day on just a crazy hot day. I was on the mall and decided I was going to take a quick stop and cool off a little bit. So I kind of go down by the reflection pool in the shade and I noticed there's these um, granite kind of path that runs all the way around. Just kind of hopped on this path and was going along and uh, hit a patch of goose poop, which is as slick as they say, <laughs> and went head first into the reflection pool <laughs> and popped my shoulder really bad. The thing you don't know about the reflection pool is it's only about, I mean, it's maybe 18 inches deep. That was my next question. It's really shallow. Most of that depth is goose poop. <laughs> so so I got to ride the Metro on the way back. I popped my shoulder pretty good, so I was uh, not feeling so, you know, sprightly. <laughs> and was covered in, in goose poop. Yeah. Okay. 
That's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me on a bike. Right. Didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for letting me use your music for the opening and closing theme songs. (laughs) You're so welcome. I really appreciate (laughs) that. Because I I truly do love the songs. Thank you. And I think that they fit kind of like the spirit of the show. Thank you. One has a very opening type of theme to it, and the other one has a very ending type of theme to it. Sure, sure. And I appreciate it, and... But I, I know that that's like one moment in time for you. So if people want to go see what yeah. your old stuff, your new stuff, whatever, where would they go? So I've been, um, I've kind of collected a lot of the Mobjack stuff and my own independent releases on KellerGlass.com. That's kind of the main focus right now. I'm actually thinking I haven't probably attended to that website much in the last six months, in part because I'm working on some new material that's going to be coming out fairly soon. And you're a um, new dad. I mean, and I'm a new dad. That's right. It's amazing, huh? Time just seems to slip away from you. <laughs> yes, I'm a new father, so I have not been playing as much as I would would like to. But at the same time, uh, have been working on. Like I said, we have sort of a backlog of material that we've been editing. I have about a half dozen pieces that are sort of nearing completion that should be um, released in the next you know a few months or so so looking forward to that and that's all that's all on colorglass.com that's where you put that stuff right. yeah well thanks, thank man. you very much yeah thanks good catching up with you indeed thanks for having me so i encourage you to go check out some of keller's music whether it's with mom jack or his solo stuff support a gifted musician and a truly nice guy So many things seem out of control. You can always check your bike before you ride. Yes, I'm talking about the ABC Quick Check. It's an easy habit to get into that might just save your life. I mean, who knows what really happens to your bike in between rides. Whether it's gremlins or physics, children or vandals, something might get messed up about your bike between rides. So the habit of an ABC quick check before every ride is something that you could easily do in less than the time it'll take me to tell you how to do it. A is for air. Squeeze your tires on the side. If it's been more than a week or two, check the air pressure with a gauge. B is for brakes. Whether you're a mechanic or not, the human mind is incredibly good at finding things that are out of place. So look at those brakes. You want to check for pad wear, pad alignment, gouging in your rotors for disc brakes, and just pull those handles to see what happens. You shouldn't be able to pull the brake lever all the way down to the handlebar. If you can, something's worn or maybe you need to adjust them. C is for chain line and drivetrain. Do a quick look over the chain. Look for half broken links that might snap entirely on a ride. See if anything looks excessively worn or broken. Quick was originally for quick releases. That's the thing that holds your wheel on. But it also goes for the newer through-axle technology. Give it a twist and make sure it's tight. And for those going older school with axle nuts, check those as well. It's better finding out your wheels are loose now than on a steep descent at a high speed. Quick also stands for a quick overall check of your bicycle. I like to pick mine up and drop it gently from around 6 inches. 
If there's a weird noise or something falls off, I inspect it more closely. If you start doing this all the time, it'll take you less than a minute, and it could save you from costlier repairs or injury that could keep you off your bike for a longer period. And that's our public service announcement from the Bike Karma podcast. Now back to the show. Thanks for coming along for the ride on another episode of the Bike Karma Bicycle and Cycling Stories podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please share it with somebody that you think might also enjoy it. And check out our back catalog if you haven't. A big thanks to Keller Glass and the band Mobjack for our opening and closing theme music. A big thank you to our guest for sharing their cycling stories. Thanks to everybody who patiently waiting for their stories to drop from the queue. Thanks for the almost 90,000 downloads in over 90 countries in all 50 states. It boggles the mind, but I am very grateful. If you have any ideas for the show or would like some stickers, perhaps joining our grassroots responsible sticker army, just email me at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. That's bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. Any positive reviews or follows or sharing is greatly appreciated, and it's one of those free things you can do that really helps the show. The Bike Karma Bicycle and Cycling Stories podcast is the intellectual property of Thomas Brown. Copyright, trademark, and all other rights are reserved and asserted. Except, of course, for the music by Mobjack and the segment music, which is royalty and attribute free, but I really do appreciate those musicians as well. I really do hope everyone is okay out there, but also hope that you realize that not everybody is okay. So if you aren't feeling okay, maybe that's reassuring. I've had a few people this month tell me they aren't doing so great sometimes, and. That really made me feel not so out there when I felt like I was feeling down. But if it is more than you can handle, please take care of yourself and reach out to one of those places, whether it's at work or your healthcare provider or a community helpline. In the Northern Hemisphere, we've still got a lot of great riding weather. Australia is looking forward to their warming trend and we're looking forward to our cooling trend because what choice do we have? If you haven't already considered it, please think about cycling right through the winter. It can be done. It's not the same as cycling in the better weather, but you can keep getting out there. And in the deep, deep, deep winter, going slower means less wind chill. Anyway, just planting that seed for you. Well, until next month, enjoy whatever you're doing and keep it wheeled.